What's up, guys? It's Dr. Eric Petty. I am representing the 65 Movement, and you are listening to the 65 Movement Podcast. Uh, Another one of those middle-of-the-night podcasts where my, my brain is burning and I simply cannot sleep. Uh, you know, I don't want to make the 65 movement take a detour into the current events of the world. Uh, but I also don't want you to believe that I am insensitive or silent on the matters of this world. Um, if you go to my personal Facebook, which is just Eric Petty, and my personal Instagram, which is just Dr. Petty 65, um, or, you know, I guess that's personal slash business, um, you'll see what I think and what my feelings are on what's going on with the rioting, the looting um, that, that has come behind George Floyd's life. However, I'm not going to do a podcast on that today. Uh, partly because I feel like I just need to talk about something different to, to kind of get my spirit back in order. But partly because this with all of this going on and me just doing a long video about why I believe uh, or why I think of failure when I think of Martin Luther King. And that's the video you can catch on my on my personal stuff. With all that going on, I'm still laying in my bed and I'm thinking about how you can age successfully. And I'm going through a point in my life where I'm really learning about money a lot more. And I think this is the time to answer the question, do you need a lot of money to age successfully? Uh, Do you need money, period, to age successfully? And I really believe that I have the answer for that question Uh, Not just from a uh, strategic standpoint and from the knowledge that I have, but actually have objective examples of how what part money plays in aging successfully. So at some point throughout this, I'm going to tell you about the three oldest people I've known in my life. And one of them was 104. Uh, I believe she died when she was 105, maybe 106. Uh, The other one was 105, and I'm sure he died at 106. He was 105 when I got to know him. And then one is 108. And I think you'll be you'll be uh, surprised at their backgrounds. You'll be surprised with what their relationship was with money. And you'll be surprised, you know, about uh who they were in general. But let's just talk about the role that money plays on aging successfully. I believe that that there's a premise out there that people who have more money live longer, better lives. And I would argue that that's half true. Uh, You are definitely going to see people who have more money live longer lives. But I think it's a very arguable point on whether they live better lives. Here's the thing. When you have money, it's to the healthcare industry's benefit to keep you along, keep you alive longer. Um, We have to erase this myth in our head 
that the healthcare industry is a service-based industry. When we think of service or we think of a service-based industry, we should automatically think of servants. When I think of a servant, I think of Jesus. When I think of a servant, I think of someone who serves without any uh, expectation for something in return. With Jesus kind of being the definition of a servant, it's very hard for me to put the American healthcare industry in the light of being a service based industry because the people who work in healthcare are the some of the richest people in our country. Um, you know, I, I would say our richest people in the country are probably in the financial industry, the Wall Street people and stuff like that. And and, and it kind of brings that money together, that, that money and healthcare conversation together. But, you know, physicians are making lots of money. Um, I'm a physical therapist. I, you know, I'm not rich from physical therapy, but I, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Nurses make really good money. You know, you're not going to find many healthcare professionals that are lower than middle class. Um, you might find some assistants out there that that might be teetering on that lower middle class. But m- for the most part, if you have a healthcare career, you are middle class and up in terms of financial. Um, and then you, you have some that are going to go way up there. So I, I always question how we frame this as a service-based industry when in fact uh, everyone who works in this industry is being handsomely rewarded. With that in mind, when you understand that everybody is being handsomely rewarded, then we need subjects to feed those rewards. So when you look at healthcare, uh, uh, the healthcare industry's dream is someone who has accumulated a lot of money in their, you know, middle ages and now is sick and you can bleed all that money back. A, a, uh, a medical group's dream, say you have a group of medical professionals, you have a primary care physician, a neurologist, a cardiologist, uh, add in a physical therapist in there. Um, add in an eye doctor and, you know, just think of all the different types of doctors and put them all in a group. That group's dream is a super rich white man who has let his health go. Because what what is going to happen with that super rich white man is he's going to go to his primary care physician and his primary care physician is going to find a whole bunch of problems and refer him to all his medical group friends. The neurologist is going to get hundreds of dollars off of each visit. The the kidney doctor is going to get hundred doctors, hundreds, thousands of dollars, or hundreds of dollars off of every visit. Or um, the surgeon is going to get thousands of dollars off of each surgery that this person needs. The physical therapist is going to get months of visits out of this person who needs physical therapy uh, to to fix their ailments. Say that rich white man gets Parkinson's disease. Now he has to go to his neurologist every six months or every year to get medicine, uh, you know, changed. He has to pay a physical therapist to try to keep his mobility in order basically for the rest of his life. So you can see how a very sick but very wealthy 
man or woman it doesn't have to i said white man because generally that's what you're seeing in this country you're seeing rich white men but it doesn't matter who you are if you're rich and you have medical problems you are a, a healthcare team's dream they can keep passing you around we that is what you call job security you know as, as much as i kind of don't like to view it this way the reason why there's two to three jobs for almost every physical therapist out there is because we live in a nation that is in love with being sick. We live in a nation that is in love with uh, eating the wrong things, exercising, uh, you know, less than than many others around the world exercise and doing things to our body that will always keep us sick and therefore always make sure I have a job. You know, it, it, it kind of sucks when when I put it in that through that lens, but that is exactly what it is. So the question is, if, you know, this rich person gets sick and gets passed all around, what good does the money really do you, you know? I am, I am so thankful right now that I'm learning uh, things about the market that I've never known. I'm learning things about like options trading that I've never known. I'm learning things that, you know, Wall Street people have probably known for decades. And I'm like, wow, I'm thankful that I'm learning that right now. And I don't have any bit of remorse that I didn't learn it earlier because I feel like if I would have learned it earlier, it would have totally disrupted how I see the world. I think it's very important that we learn that money comes secondary to understanding health and understanding what things are going to benefit you in the long run. The person who starts learning money first and doesn't understand health will be that rich man or woman who is 65, 75 years old and being passed around the medical community and, you know, being capitalized on. And sure, that person will live longer, but I would argue that that person will not live a better life. Uh, there are people, uh, if you're not in healthcare, you might not realize, realize this, but there are people all across this country who are being kept alive simply so we can empty out their pocketbooks. There are people in nursing homes, beautiful nursing homes, beautiful assisted livings who don't have an ounce of quality of life, who, who literally might sit in a chair with their mouth open all day. And they're only alive for the sake of me going to give that person physical therapy, a primary care physician charging that person every six months for a visit, or, or maybe even more often because in nursing homes you get rounds and I don't know what they're charging for those rounds, uh, for a podiatrist to come in and cut their toenails, uh, for an eye doctor to come in and while their mouth is open and they're lean back to look at their eyes and, and charge them a few hundred bucks for that. Uh, for, for someone to come check their skin, for a wound care doctor to, to, to check and treat the, the, the bed sore that they get because they sit in a chair and lay in a bed all day. There are people who are almost like sources of income sitting in facilities all over this country right now. 
So I would say, you know, if if you're telling me uh, this person is in that predicament with no quality of life and everybody just basically vulturing on them, I would say that's not a better life. And I don't care if that person's 85 or 95 or even 100 living in that predicament. I would say that's not a better life. So I, I guess the 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 easy answer to my question is, do you need money to age successfully? I would say no, you don't. Um, now, uh, when I say no, I, I'm I'm basically talking about and, and this this is where we should see the importance of uh, things like Obamacare. Um, this is where we can kind of see how important it is for all of these politicians to talk about health care, because it's not like I'm saying, you know, if you are poor and you don't have any health insurance, then yes, it's a big deal. You need money to age successfully. But if we live in a world that, you know, or if we live in a country, say like Canada, or we live in a country where Obamacare is covering everyone, as long as you have that baseline coverage and in, in, in which you can get basic needs met and basic assessments done, you don't need an abundance of money to age successfully. What you do need is you need education. You do need knowledge on how your body works. You need to... Uh, take the time to understand who you are and how you were built. You need to take the time to understand your genetic predisposition and how it will react to other external forces. That's what we need more than money to make sure we age successfully. So I said uh, that, you know, the three oldest people I've known were 108, 102. I think the other two, well, one died at 106 and then one was 104 when I knew her. You'd be surprised to know that the the youngest of that group, the 104 year old was a black lady. She was a amputee and she lived in arguably the worst skilled nursing facility or nursing home, however you want to say it, in the city uh, for, for which I reside. This lady at very at the best was lower middle class all of her life. There, there was no coincidence that she ended up in this specific nursing home, but she was a 104 year old black lady. Um, that's beating the odds in general, just the fact that she was a black lady and she was 104 um, it's also beating the odds, the fact that she was middle class at best and was 104. It And if you knew the nursing home that she was in, you would know she was really beating the odds because when you, every time you walked in her room, she had a smile on her face. Everybody who walked by her room would say hi to her, go in and say a joke or smile at her or have some positive interaction with her. So it shows you that you can have a whole bunch of money and be out in the hallway with your mouth open and in sitting in your wheelchair and make it to 95. And I would say that you haven't aged successfully because or you can be, you know, just an average amount of money or below average amount of money and lose a leg, end up in the worst nursing home in the city. And still, I can say that she aged more successfully than most. And I would I, some of that is just the grace of God and, and, and whatever her parents 
taught her or maybe some of it was just luck. Um, this was a lady who I knew, but I, she's not one of the people that I got really, really close to to figure out what was her secret. But the, the point is, is, is you don't need money to get there. The second oldest person that I've known, he actually uh, is in my book. If any one of you has 65, uh, the deluxe edition, the very last picture in, in that book that man and I think in that book he was 105 he died about he died before I actually got the book out um, I actually took his daughter uh, the copy of the book that I had promised them and he never he didn't make it to see it uh, you know by the time I got back in contact with them he, he was gone but you know another guy he was not rich um, I do know his background pretty well from talking to his daughters and talking to him. He was a Marine. Um, he, he lived in a very, uh, you know, small home in the Charlotte area, uh, lived by himself almost up to the end, never had a lot of money, served his country, uh, put himself on a disciplined regimen of eating and exercising. I mean, now he's a Marine, so we're kind of cheating there because, uh, you know, if, if any of you kind of know Marines, Marines are probably some of the most impressive humans on this planet. Um, so I'm, I'm sure, especially him being a black man, I don't think I've said that him being a black man who was in the Marines, he's 105. So he was in the Marines way back when, when it was really real out here, there was a certain level of discipline and exercise and stuff that I'm sure contributed to him being 105. But what did not contribute to him, I'm sorry, dying at 106 was money. Because he didn't have a lot of money. His family didn't have a lot of money. They still don't have a lot of money. But he lived for a very long time. He lived by himself. When I was seeing him at 105, he was still getting up, uh, able to walk out of his home, walk down his steps, walk down his driveway, wave to his neighbors, make his breakfast, get himself dressed, take his own shower, do all of those things. To me, that's aging successfully. To be 105 and to be able to do all of those things and live by yourself and tell your daughters, I'm not going to no nursing home and y'all ain't moving in here. To me, that's aging successfully. And he did that without money. He did that with, you know, I would, I would estimate that he was probably lower middle class, if not lower class. The, the lower middle class part probably got bought up by his daughters, but if it, I'm sure he lived most of his life in the, in the lower class uh, based off of his home and, and, and different things that I know about him. The third one is, is very close to my heart because it's my great grandmother. And I, I'm not really sure exactly how old my great grandmother is. I, I don't know that I got all the details on exactly how old she was. I, I, I think there was some confusion with birth certificates um, and, and, you know, when exactly she was born. But let's say she was at least 108. I didn't know my great grandmother well, but I do remember meeting her. I do remember her presence. I do remember her smiling. I do remember her talking all at the ripe age of over 100. And, uh, you know, I know that she grew up in poverty, you know, and, and, and 
even though as she got older, she had a family around her who had resources, you know, there's, there's no one in my family who, uh, well, I shouldn't say that, uh, as, as a whole, our family is not going to be considered rich. There are some people in my family who do very well. Um, there are some people in my family who might be on the lower end of the middle class. And, and I'm and my bigger point is I'm sure she benefited from having those resources and those people around her in her latter years. But for the majority of her life, you're talking about a poor black woman who grew up in in rural areas who lived to be probably over 108 and could still smile, talk. I think the only thing that I remember being wrong with her and my family members might correct this when they hear it. The only thing I remember being an issue for her is her hearing. Um, Everything else seemed like it was working pretty well. It was working pretty well. And she seemed like she was enjoying her life. So those three examples tell me clearly and I, I, I'm giving those three examples because they're the oldest but trust and believe I've known hundreds of 90 year olds if not maybe even a thousand I, I don't know how probably thousands of 90 year olds now that I'm thinking about it um, I've known thousands of 80 80 something year olds I, I give those three as an example but trust and believe that the people who age successfully in this life don't require a lot of money to do it. So I I say that to, to kind of put that point out there, but I also say that to a generation who is listening to me today that is likely more concerned with how much money they make than they are with how their health is moving forward. Um, People are more concerned today with their 401k than they are with their cholesterol and blood pressure numbers. People out there are more concerned with the stock market than they are with their likelihood of having heart disease. Um, There are people out there who are more concerned with what denominations uh, of, of bills they get out of the ATM than what food they put on their plate. I, I know this for a fact. I, I, I'm, I'm around, I, I get the privilege of being around a, a lot of people. And, you know, as much as I talk on this podcast and on Facebook and stuff, a lot of people who know me, who are like not really, you know, we're not all the way friends. And, and if any of you are listening to this, you'll, you'll know this is the truth when I say it. I don't say much. I don't talk a lot when I'm around people. I, I, a lot of what I do is just sit and observe. And if someone who's never listened to this podcast, who's never who's never seen me talk on Facebook, who's never seen me talk in public, who's never seen me, uh, you know, in my capacity in, in you know, some of my capacities as a, as a leader, they would have no idea how my mind works. And I just sit and watch people and I listen to people and I listen to people talk about things. And you'd be surprised how few times the subject of health comes up. People talk about money. People talk about silly current events. People talk about vacation. People love to talk about food and what food is so good. But people are not really talking about their health. 
people very rarely have an in-depth conversation about their health. We talk about everything else, but we don't talk about health. And we talk about money like like it is the top, the, the top all be all. And I'm just wanting to put this out there that, listen, money's not going to buy you health. Um, we can look at Andre Harrell, worth 50 million, who just died a few weeks ago from heart disease. We can look at John Singleton, who was worth multi-millions and just died from a stroke at age 52. You know, and it, it we can we can look all over. I'm, I'm thinking of those two because I've been again, the, the times right now have been emotional, been been kind of studying black men in general. So those are the first two to come to my head. But like Luke Perry, he was an actor. He died at 52 from a stroke. Plenty of money. Um, some of the some of the very richest people, uh, you know, walking around are either dying pr- you know, prematurely or struggling at the end of their life. Um, you know, so, so money is not going to get you there. I I don't have any more examples off the top of my head, but you guys, part of this is just for me putting this out here. You can go study it yourself. You can go study. Who do I want to model my life after? Who do I look up to and say, you know, that person's really happy. Um, I really like the way their life ended and, and I want to model my life off of that person. That's kind of the way I look at life. Um, I, I look and see who has a smile on their face at age 90. And then I want to know, well, what did that person do? And I will tell you that more often than not, it's not the person who made a lot of money or focused a lot on money who has a smile on their face at, at 90 years old. It's the person who has focused on love who has focused on family and to some extent has focused on health that can look up at 90 years old and smile. I have treated and worked with so many rich people that are miserable. I mean, just absolutely miserable. And it's, it's a shame that you, it's kind of like, I always go back to that J Cole line. Um, you know, the good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way. And it's like the good news for these rich people is you came a long way. You made a lot of money. You learned the financial industries. You 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 smashed the, the stock market. Um, you 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 really did good with your gift to, you know, play a sport or whatever. And you got all this way. But I'm sorry to tell you, you took the wrong road and now you now you're here now you're here unhappy and it's not much you can do about it because you chose to focus on the wrong things you chose to walk walk in the wrong direction um so i mean you know anybody who wants more examples you can always contact me again dr petty 65 at gmail.com spell out the doctor if anybody wants more examples i mean i've i've worked with a lot of different people uh who stand out in my mind and you have to have a foundation of health. You have to have an emphasis on health in your life before you focus on wealth or you will not succeed. Because I will tell you, especially now, because I'm learning money the way I am, it makes it very hard to focus on anything else. Like if you're really, really learning this game, it makes it hard to focus on anything else. But I 
thank God and I, I praise God for how he has constructed my life. Because while I might get up and talk to a, a, a few friends every morning at 9 a.m. about money and investing, and I might talk to them for an hour, you best believe I have meditated for 20 minutes before I got on the phone with them. And I've allowed God's voice to talk to me for 20 minutes before I think about money. You best believe that I've opened my Bible and I've read some scripture before I get on the phone and talk about money. You best believe that I have sat down and I have prayed before I get on the phone and talk about money. You, you best believe that I will either exercise or do something health related, even if it's just as simple as drinking 32 ounces of water before I get on the phone. In a lot of cases, it's me going out to ride my bike before I get on the phone. So I make sure that my health, that my spirituality that all of those things come before I allow money to start consuming me for that part of the day or, 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 you know, kind of, I, I, you, you have to be careful with that because money is, um, it's tricky. It can be tricky. You know, we can't, we, we definitely can't worship money. Um, I am, I am in the process of just making money my slave and making it work for me. I have no interest in being consumed and worshiping money, being consumed with or worshiping money. And I think that all of the experiences I've had with upper class people who end up miserable at the end of their life, being that, that vegetable that's sitting in a wheelchair in a nursing home with their mouth open. And I'm talking, I'm, when I, 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 sometimes I say nursing homes, sometimes I'm talking assisted living. I'm talking about some of the nicest places in the city that I live in. I'm talking about places that cost $7,000 a month, $10,000 a month, depending on what room you, you get. I'm talking about big time stuff. And you got older white men and women. And, and I, I keep, I don't want y'all to think that I'm trying to make this racial, but it's the truth. The, the, the place that I, I, recently worked at this one of the richest places in the city um you'd be hard pressed to find a, a black person in there um as a resident you find a lot of black people in there working but you'd be hard pressed to find a black person in there as a resident because you know historically this country produces rich white people not rich black people um so but you would think that, oh, OK, we got it made. This is a benefit. But you'd be surprised how many of them people are just laid up in there. And it's it, we're just siphoning money from them. It, it, it's as simple as that. Um, but those are those people who got consumed with money. They, they thought that if they if they got the bag, if they got rich, if they focused on their career, if they focused on the stock market, that everything would fall in place after that. And I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. So I'm not telling you not to get your money, but I'm telling you that there are things that are more important. Your health is more important. Your spirituality is definitely more important. God's word is more important. Um, your family is more important. So just make sure we put all of those things in order and then go ahead and get your money. Um, I can tell you a person who has all that stuff in order and then get gets rich on top of it. That's going to be the person who's going to be super duper happy. That's going to be the 108 year old, that's, um, you know, hanging out in Maui, um, 
talking about, okay, when I die, uh, just throw my body in one of these volcanoes, burn it with some lava and mix me with the lava rock and, and, you know, carry me around as a necklace. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking silly now, but I mean, I, I, I plan on, you know, my wife and I will likely, hopefully God willing live to over a hundred and we're probably going to end up in Maui somewhere. And, and we both want to be cremated. We both want our kids to carry around our ashes. And I could see me doing something silly like that saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to use some lava to turn me into something. And you guys carry me around for the rest of your lives. And, and hopefully they live long lives too. So, you know, might be getting off the point a little bit, but hopefully the, the, the overall, the overarching points are clear. We do not need lots of money in order to age successfully. And ultimately that's what the 65 movement is about. It's about helping you age successfully. Hopefully this information will be received and hopefully it will help you age successfully. That's what I'm here for. If, if anything is unclear, if you have any questions, please just hit me up at drpetty65 at gmail.com. Spell out the doctor. Uh, again, if you are stuck on the George Floyd and all of the, the tensions and um, the good versus evil battle that's going on right now, check out my Facebook um, and, and you'll you'll see why I think of failure when I think of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, I know people don't like the way that sounds, but you got to watch the video and it'll make sense to you. Um, that's on my Facebook. That's on my Instagram. Um, I may talk about that a little bit more. I, I want to, I don't want to keep it out of the 65 movement, but I don't want it to become the center. Um, just a few weeks ago, I did a, a podcast on Ahmaud Arbery. Um, I don't want it to become a thing where, you know, this, this movement is to help you age successfully. And some of the violence and some of the things that are going on in our world are taking a, a center uh, or a centerpiece of a lot of people's lives. But I still want people to understand that your biggest enemies in this life are heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia, strokes, things like that are your biggest enemies. And that's what the 65 movement is here for. Evil is our enemy too. Uh, Injustice is our enemy as well, but our biggest enemies, the thing that is more likely to kill you than a cop, you know, laying on your neck or you getting shot in the street or you getting hit by a car or you dying in a plane or a helicopter crash is heart disease or cancer. Uh, so I, I want to make sure that we stay there um, and, you know, but, but I'm, a, I'm a real human being and I have feelings just like everybody else. I get emotional, maybe not as emotional as many people, but I get emotional just like everybody else. Uh, so if you, know, if, if, if you want to see that side of me, then just go to my personal page and it's there. Um, I, but I, but I, I, and I and the reason why I guess I'm belaboring this point is I don't want to be one of the people who sits on the sidelines. I don't want to be mistaken as being com, uh, complicit. Um, I don't want to be mistaken as someone who has nothing to say on this, but has something to say on everything else. Um, 
time. So if, if you have that in your mind, take it out right now. Um, I got plenty to say. I just don't think this is the place to say it. All right. Until the next podcast, I hope you guys are enjoying your family, staying healthy. And uh, all I can say is God bless.